The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Our guest for episode 39 hails from the Pacific Northwest, Vancouver, Washington that is, not, not British Columbia, but if I remember right, it's on the Columbia River, so I'm, I'm getting confused. Our guest is Dale Chumley. Uh, Dale fits right in with many other leaders we've chatted with on the real estate sessions. He's past president of the Clark County Association of Realtors. He serves on the NER Social Media Advisory Board. He's presented at Inman Connect events in San Francisco, New York City, and some of the Reboot events and way too many other conferences to mention here. He's also recognized by uh, Stefan Swanepoel as a Power 200 member, one of the top 20 social influencers in real estate. But most importantly, Dale is also married to one of Chicago Title's greatest assets in the Portland area, Stephanie. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Dale. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. So you uh, you live in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland. And you were you born and raised there? I was born and raised in Vancouver, Washington. And yes, as you so nicely noted, there is a different Vancouver besides the one in Canada. Um, interesting trivia, Vancouver, Washington is actually the original Vancouver. George Vancouver started here and then he worked his way up to Canada. All right. So let's give me, I like to find out about uh, the different parts of the country that, that the guests live in. Tell, tell me about the area. And I mean, I know when I land at the Portland airport, I'm staring at your county right across the river. Is that true? You are. Okay. Yeah. So in fact, depending upon where you're flying from, you may have flown over Clark County on your way into the Portland airport. All right. So tell me about it. Tell me what it's like going up there in a, in a a medium-sized town, I would call it, right? Up in the northwest. Uh, yeah, so we're actually uh, about Clark County's now, I think, a little over 400,000 people, so certainly not tiny by any stretch. But at the same time, we still, even with that population, is, have maintained a very small-town sort of feel and vibe. Um, unfortunately, a lot want to consider as kind of a bedroom community of Portland, uh, for those of us like myself, born and raised here, uh, as much as I love Portland, I love going to Portland to enjoy food and the things that Portland has to offer. Uh, Vancouver stands on its own, and and uh, it's been a great place to live. And you know, one of the interesting things where we live is Oregon is a uh, sales tax-free area, and Washington is an income tax-free area. And since we straddle the line, uh, literally. If you landed at the Portland airport, I could be there to pick you up from my house in about 10 minutes. And uh, so we kind of live in this best of both worlds where we don't pay an income tax. And if we uh, chose to do any sales-free tax shopping, uh, it's just a quick drive across the bridge. I was going to ask you about that. There's a Even in the world of real estate, there's quite a difference between how Oregon and Washington handle things. Do you, do you sell only in Washington? I do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm licensed in, in just Washington. I have, uh, again, I, I, I like going to Portland, but when I go to Portland, I like to just go to enjoy being there. And Portland's a tri-county area and uh, a whole lot more people. 
and since it's not where I'm born and raised, I'm certainly familiar with Portland, but don't feel like that would be my best use to try and spread myself that thin. I found it far more effective to focus on Vancouver and the Clark County area, and and then I've got great referral partners all over the Portland metro area that I know the areas they specialize in, and I'm able to refer people to them, and in turn, they're able to refer people that are coming across the river my direction, and uh, actually, I think more people are probably, at least in my experience, relocating into Vancouver as opposed to into Portland. Um, our prices are certainly quite a bit lower than Portland's market. Um, our tax rates lower, uh, lower crime, better school funding, uh, and all of those pull together to make a great experience in Vancouver, and you still are 15 to 20 minutes from most anywhere you want to be in Portland. That's perfect. I want to, I want to take a minute here, and uh, you and I both share something in common that uh, is probably not the most, the coolest thing to share in common, but, but you and I both um, are cancer survivors, and I want to just, you know, have you share that story with us. If I remember correctly, um, it's you, um, you had Hodgkin's lymphoma, is that correct? That is correct. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I have to say, I think that the fact that we're survivors is awfully darn cool. Well, okay, you got a point there. Because <laughs> right. the alternative would really suck, because you and right. I wouldn't be on this call right now. I stand corrected. So <laughs> <laughs> how, how old were you? And tell me, tell me about that. Tell me a little bit about that story. Absolutely. So uh, I was the ripe age of 27 years old when I uh, got sick. And my sickness actually didn't present itself as a what would be considered typical uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, case. And uh, I started getting sick early in the year and ended up spending most of from about April till November at the doctors trying to figure out what in the world was going on and uh, why I was... I had, and forgive my cough today, and it has nothing to do with back then, but ironically, I had a dry, non-productive cough that would not go away, and it lasted, like I say, from about April clear through till November when I was finally diagnosed, and uh, when I'd go in, the doctors would ask me if I had, you know, this, this, and this as far as these other symptoms, and I'd go in, I'd say, nope, not having any of those, and uh, so they would keep trying this and testing that and checking here and just trying to figure out what in the world was the matter. And uh, and I got to the point about Halloween that my cough got so severe that it was constricting my airway and I was no longer able to breathe on a regular basis. So I, I was unable to really work or do anything starting about October 31st and uh, wasn't diagnosed until the week before Thanksgiving. So that was a very miserable several weeks. Um, I, I went and saw a lung specialist, and the lung specialist actually looked at an image that had been taken months earlier uh, of my lungs, and he detected really nothing more than just a faint shadow that was slightly not where it should have been. And so he ordered up a CAT scan, and they gave me a CAT scan, and I lit the thing up like crazy. Mm. Um, and then I began the process of figuring out what is this. Uh, the, the worst fear, of, of course, is that it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
and uh, best case scenario was something called sarcoidosis, which is an enlargement of the lymph nodes. People typically have it without realizing that they have, and uh, so they did a biopsy on me, and sure enough, found out I had Hodgkin's, and uh, they proceeded to stage me. About that same time is about the time that those questions the doctors had been asking me all year uh, about if I had these other symptoms. Ironically, it was right about that same time that I started answering yes to those additional symptoms come to find out. So I was staged at a 4B and uh, the B is the B symptoms that I started manifesting there towards the end before I was finally diagnosed. And your treatment consisted of? My treatment consisted of uh, a cocktail called ABVD, hmm. which was a four drug cocktail um, scheduled for every two weeks for about eight months. Uh, of course, it never goes quite like you plan on it going. Um, my white blood count got so low on a regular basis that they couldn't keep me on schedule, and so I then had to uh, to go through and 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 have injections a couple times a day um, with a thing called Nupigen to help build up my white blood count and try and get my blood count stabilized so that I was able to stay on track and and keep kicking cancer's butt and uh, the time I was diagnosed my son was two years old and my daughter was two months old wow so which is uh, a real eye-opener yeah um, I, you know you are a very young looking man I'm gonna be really brutally honest here how old are you so I am 46 years old that is mind-blowing because I would put you in your mid-30s and I'm sure you hear that all the time uh, several times a week, I hear that I, they figure I'm about in my mid-30s. Uh, it, it's fun to tell them. So my two-year-old son is now uh, almost 21 years old, and my two-month-old daughter is now almost 19 years old. Oh so um, I'm very thankful that I not only got to uh, my first thoughts when I got when I was diagnosed was I may not see my kids even go to kindergarten, and I've uh, now watched my son graduate from high school, and my daughter is getting ready to graduate from high school, and. Uh, head off to college. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh -huh. But yeah, I'm, I, I, it's fun to tell people, if they don't know my age, it, it's fun to either tell them how long I've been in the real estate business or tell them my kids are 20 and 18 and their jaws always drop and they look at me like, how is that possible? For those listening, make sure you go to the realestatesessions.com and check out his photo. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. And that <laughs> leads to my next question. With You have 20 years in the industry. Um, and you, you are, uh, you're a second generation realtor. Your mom, uh, is still an agent, right? Yep. Yep. My mom, Tracy, she still is a realtor. And, uh, this is my, I started in 1994. So this is my 22nd year in the industry. Wow. And digging back in your past, I noticed that you had a brief stint yourself with Chicago title. T tell me about that. I did. So, uh, those that know me, I'm a, a fairly outgoing and I, I bit of a gregarious person and certainly a very social person and uh, in my early 20s when I was going to school I was also working for uh, the local newspaper the Columbian in the ad service department and worked between the advertisers the the ad sales reps and the advertisers themselves uh, delivering ad proofs and and interacting between the two and my route that I covered happened to coincide with a route of a sales rep for Chicago Title in the area and of course a prime 
primary advertiser would be a realtor office or a lender office. And so uh, myself and this sales rep, and then occasionally a different sales rep with Chicago Title, we would open the door for one another as we were heading in and out of the different businesses, kind of following each other's path. And uh, one day I get a phone call from the sales manager at Chicago Title here in Vancouver, and he said, hey, my gals keep telling me that I really need to interview you, I need to meet with you, that you'd be a great addition to our team. And uh, so, quick flashback, yes, my mom, she started when I was a teenager, and I never had any desire to go into real estate. People are like, oh, you're going to do like your mom? Nope, not going to be a realtor. That's not my plan, not going into real estate. So, here I get a phone call, Chicago Title. It's a full-time job, it's a good opportunity, and I'm thinking, this might be kind of a cool thing to do. Don't really know anything about the title industry, and I'm offered a job working as a sales rep full-time, and I'm 23 years old. Sure, that sounds good. Let's give that a shot. So I'm now working for Chicago Title and enjoying greatly what I'm doing, uh, interacting now with the realtors even more so than what I had been before, working with the lenders more, uh, getting to understand the industry, understand the business, and all of a sudden as I'm watching and I'm interacting with all these realtors and the things that they're doing and how I'm helping them, I'm thinking, this actually looks like quite a bit of fun. And uh, from the time I started, it was, oh boy, let's see. It was eight months from the time I started Chicago Title till the time I got my real estate license. <laughs> so you, you, you did what's just the opposite of what so many others seems, seem to do in this day and age. We have a lot of people from the industry, the real estate industry, come into our industry in the title world, but you, yes. went, the, you went the other way. That's great. It was a very, very slippery slope. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I was less than a year at Chicago Title, um, but the experience at, Clark, at, at, at uh, Chicago Title was, was amazing and the people and the relationships. In fact, I still have amazing relationships with everyone that I worked with back then. Um, I'm still using, uh, I've got open escrow with one of the gals who was an escrow assistant back then, and she's been an escrow officer for years now. Wow. And uh, still dear friends with everyone that I worked with back then that's yeah. still there anyway. Now, even though you got licensed uh, right out of Chicago title, we'll call it, you, you spent a number of years working for Clark County in their land records department. And, boy, I can't imagine a better resource for somebody who's also a realtor than to be working in the land records department. Tell me about that. After Chicago title and then getting my license and being a 24-year-old new realtor, I uh, also was at that time newly married and had a uh, son on the way. And, and uh, my wife wanted to be able to stay home, we wanted to be able to make that happen and so in addition to doing real estate I thought you know what I should get the full-time job and so when my son was about well he was two days old uh, I interviewed for Clark County Land Records, it was Clark County GIS and at that time I didn't even know what GIS stood for and uh, thankfully and it was in the Land Records Department and so uh, actually Chicago Title was an amazing resource for me to be able to land that job because part of my duties were being able to read legal descriptions and even though realtors are taught quote unquote to read a legal description when they're getting licensed most never ever do it again and most would not have a clue how to begin to do it and uh, it was an, it was something that I really cared about 
So when I was at Chicago, in addition to doing that, I would stay after work and meet with the title manager and I would meet with title officers during the daytime. They would teach me how to read legal descriptions, how to map them out, and also I learned chain of title. And all of those experiences that I got from Chicago were perfect for Clark County land records. And uh, I proceeded to spend eight years working full-time for Clark County while I was still selling real estate uh, as well. So I was doing both jobs and the experience at Clark County GIS and the Land Records Department was invaluable. Uh, again, uh, my natural inclination is real estate and loving all facets of real estate. And what I really did a lot of there was I, I not only learned my department, but I made great connections and relationships with all of the land use planners and, and the other departments within the county, within community development, to understand the rules and the how-tos of land segregation, boundary line adjustments, uh, legal lot determinations. And those are things that then all the way through until now have been extremely valuable. I can read and write a legal description. I can map it out. I can do the deed history necessary to determine what the age of lots are, when they were created, if they can be boundary line adjusted, are there old existing lots that uh, have been sitting kind of inactive, what can we do to make those come together, and uh, it's been a great experience, and it's been a very, uh, I haven't been there now for, it's probably been about 12 years, I would imagine, um, but it was a great eight years, great relationships, and, and just an invaluable uh, additional layer to my real estate career and being the best realtor I can for my clients. Like you and your mom currently work together as a team, correct? Uh, yeah, we are both at um, we are both at Real Living, the real estate group. When I first started in the business, teams weren't really a thing, and so when we when we first began, she was doing her thing, I was doing mine, and then when I left the county and went back into nothing but full-time real estate. Uh, that's when she was super busy. It was, you know, it, this would have been 2004-ish, oh, yeah. and the market was just crazy, right. you remember. Oh, yeah. And uh, she was bombarded, I was bombarded, and so we've always been an interesting team in that I've done my things, she's done hers, but we've been resources available to help one another. Right. Uh, so that's what we... We, when I first came back to full-time doing nothing but real estate, um, we both took off running like crazy, and we were the Chumbly team, and and most of our days looked like me running full speed ahead my direction and her running full speed her direction. We'd occasionally look at each other. Are you good? Yes. Are you good? Yes. Great. Talk to you later. So that, that was the way we, we worked as a team at that time um, for the last quite a few years. I do most of all my stuff and uh, and she's she hasn't retired but she's definitely on the slowdown process and uh, we still we've got a listing together right now that we're working together um, collaboratively. Yeah and you'll be able to obviously uh, take care of her client base uh, when she decides to enjoy the leisurely life right? Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Perfect. So Let's get a little bit into social media. This is something that uh, you're definitely one of the earliest adopters in that world. You were um, someone that I knew of 
back in 07, 08 ish, you know, for sure. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and you were right there at the forefront with a lot of other people that have been guests on the show. And so I always like to get, you know, kind of the, uh, how did that, how did that feel to you? You already talked about being so social that it was probably very simple to adopt that and to start building those relationships. But then I, I'll have you talk about that, but then you have to take us down the uh, 365 things to do in Vancouver business page, because that still stands today as this monument of how to do things right. And also kind of put you under some pressure. I'll put it at that. So talk to us about the early days of social and your business page. In 2006, seven, uh, some of you may remember that the real estate market modified slightly. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Just slightly. Right. And, uh, and most of my business at that time came from my sphere. It was friends, family, referrals, past clients. And about that time when, when the market came crashing to a halt, most of my sphere ended up in a place where they were not looking, those that were looking to downsize all of a sudden were not going to be able to downsize. Those that were looking at, you know, retiring from their employment, all of a sudden were not in a position to be able to retire from their employment. And so I started seeing a, a reduction, like everyone did, in my clients coming forward wanting to buy and sell a house, wanting to buy multifamily property as investments. Uh, just everything started changing and so I started looking at my source of business and saying well if the people that I'm regularly working with currently aren't doing something I need to go meet some new people and find some new people that I can interact with and uh, as social as I am I've never been the going door knocking guy um, picking up the phone and just randomly calling people has not ever been my thing for those that do it and do it well, it's a great source for them. But it's just not ever been my thing. And uh, and at that time, there was this this uh, site called MySpace. And uh, I'm like, well, I was starting. My kids were just getting into that uh, tween-ish age, and I started seeing that you know they and their friends were starting to interact in those spaces and certainly their friends weren't in a position to be buying and selling real estate but I looked at that and thought you know what I need to be able to start meeting with and engaging in new relationships with people and starting to forge relationships now with younger generation because in 10 years they are going to be the home buyers and the home sellers that I will begin working with why not be on the front end of establishing those relationships? And so actually the first place I ended up was MySpace and connecting with uh, you know, friends of my kids' and the parents of them, uh, people from church, uh, old classmates, old friends, uh, new people that I would meet, uh, interacting with, you know, finding new friends that are mutual friends of other people. And so that was my first delve into that. And uh, then, you know, of course, Facebook came along right after that, along with a myriad of other uh, more obscure random social sites that most of them don't exist or aren't being utilized any longer. And I just found it to be a great place 
to, while I wasn't going to go knock on someone's door or randomly pick up the phone and call a stranger, uh, the great thing about uh, Twitter, you know, that was the great thing about that particular space was nobody went there to not talk to someone. People went there to meet and in, interact and engage with other people, and and I and I began creating relationships with people in my local area. I started searching for people that were talking about and living. There was map proximity searches that you could do right. and start connecting with, you know, especially on Twitter, people that lived in my local area, some of whom are some of my dearest friends uh, and, and some of my most faithful clients now, people that I met back in 2007 and 8 and 9 and continuing forward in, in Twitter. Uh, or on Twitter and, and in Facebook, but a lot was, especially back then, 2007 Twitter was huge for meeting and, and connecting with people in my local area. Right. It was so new that uh, the people that were there were wanted to be there, like you said, and they were engaged in, in, in part of the process. It, That's great. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't an advertising, it wasn't the, it wasn't the news station that it is now. It was just people wanting to have a conversation, right. and and I learned how to speak that language because it really was its own language, and I learned how to speak it quickly and at an early time in that space. And uh, I remember once we had a group of us locally here, we wanted to see if you know back then you could you could actually get your own local hashtag uh, trending. On Twitter, I don't know if right. you remember that or not. Right, I do. <laughs> but one night there was oh, there was probably six or seven of us that somebody I don't remember who said it, but one of us threw out you know it'd be fun to get the word hashtag seriously trending, and uh, and somebody else replies seriously, and we began a dialogue amongst this small group of us using and interacting and, and, and including the hashtag seriously and it was one of the funnest funniest nights I've ever had on Twitter and before that night was over we were and we were engaging with a huge audience of people all over the Twitter sphere that were engaging in from all over the globe the word seriously and we did have it as a trending topic on Twitter before the night was over and it was just it was it was just fun, and I ended up coming out of that with new friendships in the local area, people that I didn't know that are still dear friends of mine now. Wow. Now, so how do we get to uh, the 365 page? Facebook had launched these pages, and uh, they were still pretty new at that time. I, I love Facebook. I still love Facebook, and it's been a great place for me to meet, and, and it's been a great place for me to really reconnect with old people in my world and connect with and stay connected with new people in my world and always looking at trying to figure out um, I don't go there saying how can I use this for business but I look for opportunities to how can those relationships be created and forged in those spaces and I know that as those relationships are forged just like if I was at my kids soccer game and I interact with people and have a conversation with them the conversation is going to come up. What do you do? 
they know what you do, how's the market, the conversations naturally happen. They naturally happen in the online space as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for, you know, are there ways that there can be strategic conversations, strategic things happening? And uh, and I had a blog that I had had for quite some time, and I was always looking for content that wasn't just here's a new house, here's a new house, here's a market status, you know, market market update. Um, I did some of that, but I was always looking for more than that. And and anybody that's sat in a class or been any kind of conversation around blogging, the statement is, what are the things you get asked over and over again? Your best blog content is in your email inbox or your text messages. What are the questions you get asked over and over again? And if you get it asked by two or three people, there's a blog post in there somewhere. Well, as a day-to-day -day practicing realtor in Vancouver, the questions that to me were being asked over and over again weren't really about the market specifically. It was about what's there to do around here. When, when I'm out showing homes, especially to people coming here from other areas, they're in my car and we're looking at 8 to 12 houses. I pick them up and when we drive from one house to the next house, they're not usually talking about the house we just left much, and they're not usually talking too much about the house coming up. They're usually pointing at, what's this? What's that? What's over there? What is this thing? Where would you find this? What's a good place to go hiking, go ride a bike? All of those sorts of things. And those were the questions that were being asked over and over again. And so I started trying to think of, what's a way I can put that content of the things to do in my area into some sort of blog post. And so I spent the better part of probably a year taking pictures and kind of thinking through, trying to figure out, almost paralyzing myself as to what in the world do I do and how do I make this come together in a way that makes sense for me that I can put legs to it and make it become a reality. And uh, my in February, February uh, 17th, uh, 16th of 2010, uh, dear friend Brian Copeland from Nashville uh, mentioned in a, a post in a, a group that I was in at the time that um, he had heard about somebody in his local area just starting to do this thing called 365 Things to Do in Nashville. And when he said that and I read it, I went, that's exactly what I've been trying to do for the last year without knowing how to do it or what, what to do. And it just immediately clicked in my head, this is the thing I've been trying to do. And so I decided at right that minute that this is what I was going to do. I was going to do 365 things to do in Vancouver, Washington. I already started kind of the, the beginning of it. And, uh, and so I made that decision and the very next day I started didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I went out and I, with my iPhone 3GS at the time, uh, I went and and picked a place to to cover and talk about of, of a thing to do in Vancouver, and I took photos and I took some video and I wrote a little short blog post, and that started the process. I created a Facebook business page, which 
Uh, the page structure is a little different now than it was back then, but I created a community page about 365 things to do in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, the interesting thing is, I don't know what the number is right now. You probably might know more than me. It's over 17, I think 17,000 uh, friends, followers on the page. Sure. And I never one time from day one ever invited anyone to the page. All organic. <laughs> I created the page. I wrote the blog content on my on my Clark County Real Estate Guide website, and I then linked that onto day one of 365 things to do, and I liked my own page, and I hit publish, and somebody else liked it, and somebody else liked it, and somebody else liked it, and and I don't remember the exact breakdown, but it went from myself to several hundred people in less than 24 hours, and I was, I want to say I was at like six or 7,000 people by the end of a week. Wow. Which was astronomical growth, um, especially for Vancouver, Washington. And going back to earlier, you, you know, said, what's it like to be in this area? One of the interesting things about Vancouver, Washington, and it's kind of a stereotype, if you were to ask a lot of people in Portland what's there to do in Vancouver, Washington, they would tell you drive to Portland. <laughs> okay. And and people in Vancouver would often tell you the same thing that oh there's nothing to do in Vancouver the only thing is just go to Portland. And so I had probably a bit of a chip on my shoulder to say you know what there's a lot of cool things you can do in Vancouver, Washington and I'll prove it. And in the process of proving it I will be creating a relocation guide for anybody that's looking to relocate to the Clark County area and I will be highlighting and sharing all the businesses, parks, trails, activities, things that I love about being a Vancouver resident to my community. And that's how 365 Things to Do in Vancouver, Washington was born. And uh, I didn't think about the fact when I named it, when, when, I, when I called it 365 Things to Do in Vancouver, Washington. I don't think that the day that I, the day before I started it, which was just the one single day, I don't think that it really registered in my brain that I was committing to 365 days, which would be every single day of the year. And uh, on the night of my first, or on my the night of my second night, uh, I hadn't yet published a blog post, and I hadn't yet put it on there. I had the content, but I was busy working because again, my day job is listing and selling real estate and this was something that I was doing to accentuate my community but it wasn't my first priority it was after I did my work and uh, it got to be that evening and someone one of the new followers chimed in and made a comment on day two because I hadn't posted yet and they basically said see I knew he wouldn't commit to doing every single day because there's nothing there yet and it was kind of like challenge accepted and that was the point when I realized I've just committed to seven days a week for 365 days. I remember having a phone call with you uh, somewhere around day, you had to be in the low 300s, high 200s. You were at a conference, maybe it was NAR somewhere where you said, I've got to go. I wish I, I got to go because I've got to get the post up today. So it became an uh -huh. obsession, obviously, right? Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, it was it was a commitment that I made. Yeah. I made it to myself and I made it to my community, and I had to do that. And some people would be the personality type that they could batch up a bunch of posts and publish them, just let them roll one day at a time. You know, I had a lot of people. Why don't you just bundle it all up on Sundays and then hit publish the other seven, the other six days of the week? And for me. Uh, it needed to be more organic than that, right. and it needed to be more real than that. And so for me, I did seven days a week, 365 days in a row. The only time I gathered data in advance was if I was going to be at an N-mini event or a NAR annual or NAR mid-year, someplace where I was going to be out of the area, then I would establish what my posts were going to be for the days I was gone, and I would go and I would take my photos, take my videos, uh, usually take a couple different changes of shirts so that I could change up so it wasn't like I'm wearing the same thing for every single day for the next four days or whatever. <laughs> That's great. All right. So let me um, – I'll switch gears on you a little bit. You sure. uh, you serve on an advisory board for NAR on social media. Um, you've been there for a few years. And I know you're heavily involved at the local and state association levels as well. Talk about the importance of serving for realtors. It's extremely important. And uh, actually, uh, the the beginnings for me, so again, this is my 22nd year, and my first year actively serving at the association level on any level was for the National Association of Realtors. So. NAR was my first step into that space, and uh, I was asked, I was invited to be there. I was on the meeting and conference committee for NAR, and that came as a result of my interaction on social media. Uh, Todd Carpenter at the time was uh, just hired to be the social media manager for NAR, and he was tasked uh, to bring in some social media people to be part of the committee structure and to get some interaction from looking at you know kind of a younger group and a more socially uh, social media aware group and so I just saw Todd the other day and we were talking about that that you know all of this came as a result of an invitation because I was somebody who loved to talk on Twitter and uh, it's been it's been really an amazing experience and life-changing so Unfortunately, I spent a lot of years at NAR not even really knowing that NAR or Washington Realtors or Clark County Association of Realtors even existed. I knew I paid my bill you know, at the end of every year for my renewal for the association, and I just – I took I, – to be you know, very blunt, I just took from the association not understanding what they did for us as an industry and how important what is done – at all three local, state, and national levels for not only us but for our buyers and our sellers and the business community. And uh, so I was – I got involved on the meeting and conference committee for NAR, and ironically, a normal progression would be someone gets involved at their local level, maybe serving on a committee, and then they might move to their board. And then if they progress from there, they might go and start doing some stuff at the state level. And then a few may apply to get onto something at the national level and hope that they get on there. Well, I was completely the opposite of that. Hmm. Here I am attending annual event, attending mid-year event, these 
the large NAR events. And uh, my local association caught wind of one of their local members was serving on a national committee and they didn't know who I was. And frankly, I didn't know who they were. And uh, got the call and it's like, Tyler, would you like to meet? Would you consider maybe getting involved at the local level? And so I thought, well, okay, I'm being asked to do that. Sure, let me understand what's going on at the local level. And, and it's been an amazing experience to step from the national, and I still am very actively involved at the national level, to moving to the local level. And about that same time, the state, Washington State also, kind of, kind of was in that same position of, we have a state member who's actively serving on a national committee, and we don't know him, and he's not active at the state level. And, uh, and so there was invitations there as well. And, and I've now been, I served locally and, and ended up being you know, our local president, and I'm currently serving as the vice president of membership for Washington Realtors. And that's been a great experience. So I, I co-VP that with another gal, and uh, and we handle all the membership-related things for Washington Realtors 18,000 members. And and then I still, as you mentioned, uh, am on the social media advisory board and also on the meeting and conference committee for the national level. And this last fall, I was elected at my state level to serve as a national director. So I'm currently an NAR director and uh, will be attending mid-year this year uh, on behalf of Washington State as an NAR director. And I'm very excited about that. And it's been a great way. Real estate's been a wonderful career. I love what I do. I love working with my buyers. I love working with my sellers. And I love helping the industry be protected. Uh, you know, I mean, frankly, what we do protects you guys at the title company because if we're not we're not selling real estate. You guys aren't insuring real estate. You're uh, right. You're right. It, it, it's it's an entire ecosystem that is so important to to everyone, and it's just felt really good to be able to give back to this industry that's been so good to me and that I've loved so much and continue to love. Uh, you know some. Some end up getting to a place where they want to move into management and they, they don't want to do the day-to-day buyer-in-the-car sort of thing. And I love that. I love giving the keys to that buyer and letting them open the door for the first time and, and taking them around and teaching them about the process of real estate and understanding the buying process and understanding the selling. You know, I've got people that I'm working with right now that are selling for the first time. A couple of years ago, they were buying for the first time, and now I'm teaching them how to sell, and they're more prepared to buy because we've already done that. And that full circle of watching people, you know, gain equity and move up or move down, depending upon which direction they're going, is just a joy, and uh, and I love it, and I love being able to serve on the different uh, at the different three different levels, um, and ironically, or most interesting is for years, I didn't think anybody referred people to Vancouver, Washington. I was positive that we were such this kind of, not podunk, but we were this small place that I didn't experience relocation of people saying, hey, who's going to Vancouver, Washington? And, and one of the wonderful side benefits 
of attending the mid-year events and attending the annual events and attending Inman conferences and interacting socially and volunteering at the local, state, and national level, all of those things have given me an exposure and an opportunity to meet a tremendous number of people that are now dear friends that when they come to town we go out to lunch, when they come to town we go out to dinner, when we're out we go interact and, and do things together. But guess what? It's amazing how many people know somebody that's moving to Vancouver or moving to Camas or Washougal or Ridgefield or some sub-community within Clark County. And the awesome thing is either people now know who I am or they go to someone they know and say, who do you know in Vancouver? And it's an immediate answer. Oh, you've got to call Dale. And it happens on a regular basis. So it's been a great side perk, if you will, that I now have a regular component of my business as referral from realtor friends and non-realtor friends all over the country that have someone that's coming to my area or maybe they're going to Portland and they don't know who to contact in Portland so they start with me and I can point them the right direction in Portland but it's not uncommon that they might end up actually wanting to work in Vancouver. Wow, you've uh, you definitely laid out there the whole reason for being connected, being involved, giving back. Uh, you're paid back in spades. It's not like you're expecting it. It's just what happens. That's great. Um, you know, I've had you here a long time, over 40 minutes, Dale. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of wrap this up and, and give you the same final question that I I ask every guest, and that is, what advice would you give a new agent, or if you'd rather, you could address this question. You know, what, what advice would you give somebody kind of stuck in a rut? They just can't move on. They can't move up. What's your What's your advice? I think either way, uh, you've got to be talking with your friends and family. You've got to be interacting with them. Um, if you're trying to just do it only on social media and stay behind your computer, the advice I would give is get out from behind your computer and go meet people. Uh, that was the most effective thing that I think I ever did on Twitter and Facebook and MySpace for that matter is I was constantly looking for opportunities to get out from behind my computer, leave my house, go share a milkshake with someone, go share lunch with someone, go to a food cart together, go eat, go for a walk, go for a hike, go do something whether it's with one person or a group of people, create opportunities to bring others from your community together. Um, I think that those face-to-face -face interactions are where the magic happens and where those relationships are forged and solidified and opportunities will arise. Um, so I think whether you're stuck or a new agent, you've got to be letting the people in your world know what you're doing You've got to be staying in touch with them, but not in a, do you know anybody buying or selling? Do you know anybody buying or selling? Find real ways to care about them and to care about their lives, and that will in turn circle around for them looking to you as well. Um, anytime I went to a meetup, I always made sure that I knew a little bit about all of the people that were there as well. And 
I was not there looking for who's looking to buy or sell a house. I was always there and I still am to find out who has what need and who do I know that might be able to help with that need. For instance, someone might be getting ready to have a graduating senior and they might be looking for someone to do photography for that person. Well, if I can introduce them to a great photographer that I know, I'm helping them and introducing them and making it a point to know bits and pieces about what people do. Someone might be looking to want an app and I might know somebody that writes apps that I can introduce them together and provide value through being a good resource uh, just like I do with handymen. You know, somebody needs a roofer, somebody needs a plumber, somebody needs an electrician. I can connect them to those people. It's the same thing in that social space as well. I can tell you, I can personally vouch uh, for what you, what you're saying. Uh, I've experienced it myself with, with both you and Stephanie in my trips to the Pacific Northwest. So uh, that's not you're not just telling a story. You're actually you know living that life. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, you can certainly find me on Facebook. Uh, the best way is if they want to talk to me is to send me a text message or call me. Um, I, I'll give my number. It's 360-260-3253. Again, a phone call. I'm happy to chat, uh, happy to text message. Um, those are certainly, that's an easy way to get a hold of me. And uh, I know you'll put that on, on the page as well. Yep. Um, if they want to find me on my website, it's ClarkCountyRealEstateGuide.com. Dale, thank you so much for taking time out this afternoon to join us on the real estate sessions. I really had a blast listening to uh, to where you've come from. It's it's really an incredible story. So thank you so much for uh, for for joining us. You're welcome, Bill. I appreciate you asking, and uh, this has been a lot of fun having this conversation with you. And thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. So excited with the number of people that have found us and are listening to us. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe and love for you to leave a review as well. Remember, we're also on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, and always at therealestatesessions.com. Until next week, keep on writing your own story. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.